This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi guys and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast, Every Step Along The Way. And while, while, while you wouldn't believe it, we've actually won a game first match of the season. Uh, the first time in 11 attempts, we've broken our 0-0 duck versus Reading and a player has actually scored on his debut for the first time in what feels like forever. And it means only one thing, automatic promotion is now an absolute certainty. Uh, but joking aside, um, I hope you've all enjoyed the results. It was great to be back in the stadium again. But before we kind of get into whole Reading and uh, kind of just overview of how that game went, looking obviously forward to Birmingham this weekend. Uh, Dan, uh, good to speak to you again, mate. How's things been? Good In good spirits, I hope? Oh, very good spirits, mate. Two games, two wins, all aboard the Promotion Express. That's just it. We might as well just call it now, aren't we? Just go for automatic promotion, do you think? Yeah, why not? We've, Mike, we've got the best, we've got two best players in the league. <laughs> why not? Vrantich, Powell, Tyrese oh. can take his time coming back. We, you know, it's all good. <laughs> I was going to say, funny you should mention Tyrese. I think I've seen on Twitter today that he's about, um, he's about three or four weeks away from uh, getting back into the first team training. So it probably is going to be a November-ish, December-ish time for him to return, I guess, by the time he's fit. So, but like he says, um, no rush right now. <laughs> that could soon change, but uh, but no rush. Um, so, no, absolutely good to good to hear, mate. Um, and I just want to, before I kind of kick into the whole detail around the show, guys, I just want to really say a very big thank you to to everyone for the interaction. Obviously, we had our first podcast the other week. It didn't go to plan due to technical issues, but, um, you know, it, it's kind of exceeded our particular expectations. I am one for analytics. I love analytics. Um, and uh, just to give you an idea of exactly how far our dull tones have have reached. Uh, obviously, we've had England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland who uh, have all been listening, as you would hopefully expect. Um, but we've had some interesting um, stats from the US. Uh, so we've had six states now in the US uh, with uh, audio, basically audio and listeners from there, which I think is quite incredible. Um, and even as far as Australia. Um, so thank you, everyone, for your support. It really is appreciated. Um, and uh, I'm sure I can speak to Dan and say that, you know, we, we do appreciate everyone who listens. And, um, you know, please do keep spreading the word. It only works by having your interaction or else we're just here speaking to ourselves. So um, thank you to, to everybody. Um, and lovely. So, I mean, just out of interest, Dan, I mean, obviously, I know I was waiting for you um, at Reading the other day. Um, I must admit, waiting for a very long time. 
Um, but <laughs> yes. I'll say no more on that one. That's fine. Um, and <laughs> I don't know about you, what you thought, and um, interesting to see what other people think as well, but everyone was in really high spirits, and it wasn't just the normal, you know, first game of the season type scenario. Um, you can tell that COVID had an impact. I saw loads of hugging, loads of fist bumping. Um, it was definitely more special than just another game. I don't, I don't know if you saw the same type of thing to me, but it was definitely what I saw. Oh yeah, definitely. It was great to be back first. I say that first, first of all. But you know, everybody was like you say, just happy to see people. See people that you only ever see at the game. People you didn't even know the names. You just got a name for them. But you like, you know, you saw people like you were saying, high fiving, hugging, uh, even just smiling at someone from the row, you know, the row in front. I mean, I know my. Um, I take my two my two daughters with me, and uh, one of them actually stayed with my nan on Saturday. She didn't come with me. Um, she she uh, didn't want to go in the in the end, like. But uh, the girl who sits next to us, when she saw uh, when she saw me when she arrived, her eyes sort of lit up, and then she sort of looked, and then she she sort of like her shoulders slumped a bit because she hadn't seen obviously she hasn't seen uh, my daughter for like eighteen months. But they were they were always like to get having a laugh and that together when they were at the game. Um, and I think that those that sort of interaction there would have been around the stadium, people just looking for people who you know they haven't seen for it's, it's eighteen months since since we've been in that ground, yeah, and yeah. that's it's a long time to miss people who you you would see on a you know you going to the match might be the only like social interaction some people have, yeah, and and to cut that out, like I say that you know a lot of people wouldn't have had phone numbers for these people or. You know, know where they were or know where they live or whatever to you know to to go around and obviously COVID's put a stop to a lot of meeting up anyway. So, you know, so it would have been like I say, eighteen months for a lot, a lot of that. And uh, yeah, it was just it was nice to get in there, and there was definitely a, a different a different atmosphere. Really lovely. Yeah, it, it was, and I mean, I know we're, it's one of them things like the novelty. I hope that lasts. To be honest throughout this season because obviously I know we're going to be coming up to winter again before you know it and I'm just hoping for the love of God that we don't have any more lockdowns or any more nonsense like that because I don't think anyone can really take any more to be honest but um, on a more positive note uh, what were your general thoughts about about Reading just your overall thoughts any particular call outs from players or just just generally the whole feeling from the game really well Mario Vrancic is a god that will start with that one (laughs) Those set pieces, just wow. Um, yeah, I think Harry Suter must have been sat in the stands thinking, oh, OK, all right, yeah, I can uh, I can get the head on a few of these this season. Um, mm. uh, so, yeah, just the way, the class of that man, if we, keep, we need to keep him fit and just manage, uh, I know obviously, you know, he's not going to, I don't think he's going to be doing 46 games this season, so they need to manage him well, keep him fit, keep him fresh, and he'll be, you know, he will take us up this league, I think. You know, how how high, we don't know, we'll have to wait and see, but we're definitely going to be a better team with him in it, especially yeah. him and Nick Powell playing, if they're playing together, when they get him, I thought Powell's quiet for a lot of the game on Saturday, Um but if they can get him, like I say, get the two of them on song, and there's there's no team in the league that will have two attacking players, you know, creative players as good as that. No, I mean, as you said, I think, did Mario put one bad crossing? I, I, I don't, don't think, I don't he, think did. he did. No, no, no I don't think he did, definitely not. I mean, 
we've seen, I mean, already that we can see this probably add another five or ten goals to the tally. And that's probably the difference when we've talked over the years about, you know, ch- turning draws into wins. That is the exact type of thing that can turn a draw into a win out of absolutely nowhere. Um, so, well, you, sorry, you just said there that it could be five, ten goals. Now, if it's five goals, five draws into wins, that's ten points. And in the championship, ten points can take you up seven or eight places because yeah. it's such a tight league at the end. And it is those little those little differences. It doesn't take it doesn't take much just to, like I say, bump you up the league in the, in the championship because it would have been so tight. No, it doesn't. And like you said, as soon as suitors, I mean, we can obviously look at formations and stuff going into to the weekend. But as soon as suitors full time back into the team, which to be fair, I mean, I think it'd be very harsh on Danny Bart at the minute. To be honest, I think anyone in that in that kind of you know, central defence position. But um, at the same time, I mean, I'm not sure what you think about this. I'm really surprised Josh Timon didn't get more of a um, a kind of thumbs up from from kind of fans after the game. I don't know if I was just seeing something different, but prior to his concussion. Timon for me was really bright up and down that left wing made a really good contribution um, seemed to link up really well obviously he had a volley that he could have maybe done a little bit better with but easier saying, said than done I suppose but I, I th- you might disagree with me mate and it's fine if you do but I just thought Timon has not got any near enough credit for how good he actually was and I think none of us would have chosen him to start um, on Saturday so I mean, all credit to him and, and it'll be interesting to see whether he can keep uh, Doughty out for, for long enough, to be honest. But, yeah, I, I, th- I thought I thought it was really good. Yeah, I think um, when you look at Josh Timon that signed for this football club and the Josh Timon that plays the last, what, 12 months or so, the two completely different players, and it just yeah. shows that you can't write a player off when they, you know, when they do come first, when they first come into the team. He was only, what, 18, 19 at the time. And you remember he had some absolute nightmares and you thought, man, mm-hmm. this, this, you know, you, you struggled to see him as a professional footballer and now he is, to me, he's a, he's, a, he's a very competent championship footballer now. He had a good game on Saturday. Yeah. I think maybe he the he didn't get as much acclaim maybe because Tommy Smith on the other side had a very good game uh, for me. And obviously he got the assists as well, didn't he? the two assists. And I think that... That maybe took a bit of the the um, the light away from time, and but I do agree, he was he was very solid in his defensive work, and he and he you know he he does what time does. He's got good pace and he gets forward well. Um, yeah. So yeah. He, he, so I was just going to say, I mean, you mentioned um, Tommy Smith and I'll be honest, I mean, again, I might be seeing a different game here to, to all the fans because no one really picked up on this on Twitter. But um, I thought Tommy Smith's opening five, ten minutes was really rocky. Um, but like you said, the the cross for that first goal for Powell, I mean, he couldn't have hit that any better. No different angle, nothing. That was as close to perfection as you're going to see from any player in any division. So all, again, credit to him. He could not have nailed it any better. Um, and I mean, again, it's just, it's just one of them things. I mean, Jacob Brown, just to pull pull it onto the equation. I mean, I think a lot of people were very disappointed with Jacob Brown last season, other than maybe a handful of games towards the end. But um, for me, and I'm, I think Brown needs to keep scoring because um, as soon as um, Tyrese is back, we you know we talk about our attacking options, but as soon as Tyrese is back. Where does that leave Jacob Brown? Because we're going to have Fletcher and Surridge who played that other position. They're going to nail that position between the two of them, see see yeah. who comes in. But 
it'd be very again at the minute you'd say well you can't really drop about Brown but how long can you keep Tyrese out of the club and that's right out of the first team so we're actually flush with attacking options and right now I would probably edge my bets to say that O'Neill doesn't actually know which way to go with them right now and I'd say that's probably a positive I yeah, think it is, you, yeah. I think yeah I think I think you want your strikers where each and every one of them knows when they play they've got to perform because the guy behind them isn't far behind them. And I think you need to know that the guys who are coming off the bench know that if they put in a good performance, grab a goal or two, that that will elevate them into the starting lineup. Um, I think maybe that was the issue. Maybe last year with Sam Vokes, he maybe looked at it and thought, no matter what I do, I'm going to be second fills with Stephen Fletcher. And maybe that's you know maybe that struggled with his confidence and whatever, or because he just fell off a cliff, didn't he? But like yeah. now, I think we've got strikers. Like I say, I mean, the, what I noticed about Jacob Brown was he seems to have really bulked up a lot over the summer. Yeah, he seems to have been living in the gym. He, he looks stronger, he looks fitter, and I think that he, he's obviously looked at this side, like you know, the, the, that side of his game. And wants to to improve that, and that that's it's it's paid dividends so far. Because whereas last year he was maybe he had a bit of pace, but then he'd be knocked off the ball or his touch wasn't there. And I think because because he couldn't go shoulder to shoulder with some of these defenders, and that he maybe that's maybe that's where he lacked the confidence, and that obviously came through in his touch. Whereas at the weekend he looked he looked a lot more confident. He looked like he was happy to receive the ball, and you know he'd still knock it. He'd still try to maybe run at a defender or challenge them for their pace. But he seemed happy to you know just lean in with his shoulder as well. So yeah, uh, all very positive on the Jacob Brown front. And um, yeah. I mean, in fairness to him as well. I mean, he got a little bit fortunate with his goal, but. Fortunate or not, I mean, you've got to be in that position. You've got to keep the ball down. You've got to get it on target if a defender happens to take it in. I mean, look at um, what's his face um, last night against Fleetwood. You know, again, uh, an own goal. It's one of those yeah. things. It happens. But without them putting us in that situation, we don't concede the goal. Same scenario. So I don't care how they go in, and I'm sure nobody does. So, yeah, absolutely spot on with Brown. He seems to really have a bit of hunger about him, which is exactly what you want, which you probably wouldn't get with a, an over-the-hill uh, season pro. I'm not going to mention folks because there's more than just him. Can't keep pointing everything on him. But um, again, really good to see. Lots of competition. Um, and if you don't mind, Dan, I just want to kind of backtrack to um, some kind of audio that I actually recorded. I mean, I mentioned that I've been desperate to get back into the stadium again, like everybody else. Um, and I don't know about you, but it was that first Delilah for me that um, I was really looking forward to. So um, I did a bit of recording, uh, and let's listen to our first Delilah back into the stadium. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm sure you'd probably agree with me, Dan. That was, uh, it was an amazing feeling uh, to hear that first one finally back at the stadium. It was, it was, you know, at, at the time you sort of wrapped up in it, aren't you? And, and you just, you know, you, you were literally buzzing to be back and in the stadium. But, 
you know, listening to that there, but the, you know, the hairs on my arms standing up there, a bit of goosebumps and stuff, just listening to it and going back to Saturday and the atmosphere that was there. Um, yeah, it's brilliant stuff. And like I say, long mate, long mate, continue. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I think one thing to say as well, I thought the fans were brilliant at the weekend. I mean, I think we all expected it. And again, we'll, we'll look at attendances uh, later on because that's quite an interesting stat which we can come on to. But um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the fans, that they, they were brilliant. Uh, atmosphere start to, you know, start to finish, to be honest. Um, I think there was a bit of a lull in the game, which always happens. But um, I think, you know, one thing I'd want, want to kind of say is, you know, we've been asking for supporters to obviously get in touch with us and to give their views, give any audio clips, etc. So um, obviously, if any anybody's new to the podcast then make sure you go to every step along the way um on twitter you can send us a dm or leave us an audio message if you like uh so uh, the first person actually to get in touch was harry um, he's a diehard stoke fan um, he's got his own youtube channel and many of you will have seen him um before uh, but let's have a listen to exactly what, what obviously harry had to say um and it's very very interesting to get his thoughts so thank you harry uh, let's see what he has to say Hey up guys, RVSFC here. A big thank you to every step along the way for getting me involved with this week's podcast to review our opening game of the season against Reading and what a fantastic afternoon it was. Thoroughly enjoyed myself. It was lovely to be back at the Bet365. Um, but in terms of the game, I was really, really happy with how we played. I thought Jacob Brown was good. Tommy Smith deserves a lot more credit than he than he got. Um, I felt he was a little bit shaky at the back at times as I think we were in general. Um, but overall, going forward, he was superb. Put that assist in uh, for Surridge's winner. I think Vrancic as well with that dummy. That it goes so unseen, but I think that sets up the goal. And and I think Surridge, um, after the game, spoke to I think it was Angela Smith, and and she said that well, he said that um, he wasn't expecting Vrancic to let it run, and and obviously we get the win, and it was so. I think it's such an important. Um, goal that was you know we started the season in style get a good result tomorrow against Fleetwood uh, and then take it into St Andrews on Saturday um, and hopefully we can kick on with, kick start the season with with back-to-back victories Iron Man of the match um, I would have given it to someone like Nick Powell or Jacob Brown himself and Jacob Brown scored that goal I think it was a crucial goal um, his work rate was really good I thought so was Fletcher's to be fair as well but um, yeah, I was really I was happy with how we attacked defensively. We could be a lot better. We do need a lot more work in that area. I think um, going into Fleetwood tomorrow night, I think we'll get past them two 0 I would like to see some youngsters sprinkled into that side, um, and maybe we'd like to see Adam Davies play as well. Uh, and then on to Birmingham, Birmingham on Saturday. May pretty much the same eleven, but maybe Alfred Doty in for Josh Time, and I think. Doty brings something a little bit more, something a little bit different. He's a bit more stable defensively. I like Josh Timon as a player, but I don't think he's that good defensively. I think he's a lot better, more. He's he's a lot more threatening going forward. Um, but yeah, overall, very very happy with how we started the season when we've building on a, a positive preseason. And uh, yeah, thank you for getting me on. And uh, yeah, all the best up the Potters. So thanks very much for that, Harvey. Much appreciated, mate. Always good to hear from you. Um, so uh, you're all, all obviously that was recorded, of course, pre Fleetwood, um, and you were very, very close, mate, with your two nil prediction. So uh, unfortunate there. I hope you didn't have a bet on that. But uh, Dan, what did you think about what Harvey had to say? 
I think if you did have a bet on it, you need to go see James Chester down the training ground, maybe. <laughs> so you can slip with him. You can give him some of the money, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you, um, he, was, he was spot on there. And uh, yeah, I thought a lot, a lot of what he said was spot on as well. Um, maybe I didn't think Nick Powell had that good a game of the weekend by Nick Powell's high standards. Uh, I'm a massive Powell fan, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he was quiet at the weekend. Um, luckily, we know he doesn't stay quiet for long, though, does he? Uh, no, you've got to, got to let him off, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. He's a, you know, this time of season, you know, players just ease themselves at different rates, don't they? You don't get, you know, you know to take that much notice until four or five games in if uh, somebody's not quite up to speed. But yeah, he, uh, yeah, cheers. Thank you to Harvey there. That was, um, yeah, he spoke a lot of sense. Nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, he's a nice lad. And I think anyone who hasn't, as I said, checked out his YouTube, um, please do do so. It's it's really quite entertaining and uh, just interesting to see how you know you see, see his reaction when the goals go in. I know reaction videos aren't for everybody, but I quite enjoy them. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much for that, mate. Um, and um, we always like to try and get opposition views wherever possible as well. So uh, a Reading fan uh, got in touch with us, uh, a chap named Joe. So he left us a nice message when he got off the coach from his long trip back to Reading. Uh, so this is what Joe had to say. Uh, very interesting to uh, to comment on a couple of things he picks up here. So uh, let's see what Joe had to say. So basically, my thoughts on this game, I say fairly close game. Stoke deserved to win. I think if we had a Jara, he picked up a knock against Crystal Palace and friendly, it could have changed the game. But instead, we had to play a, was a thing, he's 19 year old youth player down the wing, which he, he's just not ready yet. And so that kind of led to one of the goals. I think. The free kick you got ended up getting a goal from was unfairly given. As from where I was stood, it was it looked like a foul originally on me and what. Um, so it was some good goals from Stoke and all round a good atmosphere. Joe, thanks very much for the uh, for the obviously the call, mate. We appreciate the the feedback as well. It's always good to get an opposition fans' point of view because obviously you know we can wear red and white tinted glasses um so yeah i do about you now i thought some interesting comments from uh from joe i mean I'll, I'll pull out a couple of them that he mentioned i mean he said that stoke deserved to win which is correct we, we did deserve to win um and you know we did create the better chances and we should have scored probably a few more uh now he mentioned the foul for the first goal and i'll hand on heart i can't particularly um remember the free kick that was leading up to it but i tell you what if we did get one um then i mean for me to be honest mate um <laughs> The referee was wearing a blue and white shirt for most of the match. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, if we got away with one, I can't remember. But if we got away with one, then, then boy, did we deserve it. Uh, to be honest, I don't think we did. I think uh, if I remember rightly, the balls played. Uh, we were trying to play uh, Jacob Brown in behind the defence. Balls played over the top. And uh, more of the centre half had hold of him for a good two, three seconds. I'm uh, with you. Is that the one where it. everyone was moaning about him not playing advantage? Yes, that's the one. Yes, yeah, okay. Brown sort of shrugged him off in the end. I think Brown sort of like tugged back at him and he let go then and um, he, he was away and he had the shot and the keeper saved and then he said, oh, luckily he didn't play advantage. <laughs> right. Stonewall then. Yeah, I know exactly the one you're on about. Yeah. yeah absolute free kick. I'm sorry, Joe. We'd love to get the opposition views, mate. It's absolutely brilliant. But yeah, I think if that, that is the one, then yeah, it was an easy free kick to give away so yeah okay thank you for that Dan. i knew you'd remember mate it was i think it was one of them i was probably uh dipping into my bottle of pepsi at the time but i tell you what speaking of bottles of pepsi is as relevant it is to a podcast um i actually I actually brought 
a bottle of Pepsi Max for the first time, and I can see that they put the bottles back on on the. That's right, the tops the back on the bottle. Yeah, yeah. And I know it's something really, really, really basic, but um, the amount of times that I did my head in, you know, you'd cheer and someone would knock over your drink that you just paid an extortionate amount of money for, uh, more for <laughs> yeah. me. Um, so, yeah, just, just an observation, I guess. Um, but, yeah, um, thanks again, Joe. Much appreciate it, mate. Um, and just kind of, obviously, we want to try and finalise now the, the Reading kind of uh, overview. We've spent a lot of time in this. But, um, Dan, I think you've got a few kind of stats and attendances and, and bits like that you want to run through. Yeah, so um, for the game itself, we had six shots on target and only Blackburn had more in the whole division at the weekend, um, which is quite a, quite a nice uh, unstoked stat, you'd say, for the last couple of years, wouldn't you? So it, it's very promising. Um, we actually had 18 shots altogether. And uh, again, wow. only Blackburn, who had 21, and they just picked us on that one. But yeah, 18 shots and six on target, so very promising. Um, so yeah, also if we move on to Mario Vrancic, if you don't mind, and mm. he's got some game stats from him that were seen on Twitter. He had more accurate crosses, six, more key passes, six again. He put in more tackles, five, and his crossing accuracy was a hundred percent. So he topped wow. every one of them stats from the players who were on the pitch. Um, and for Brian thinking, he didn't make the team of the week, did he? He didn't know. Only Jacob Brown and then the John Swift from Reading uh, made the official team of the week as well. Uh, mm. Yeah, it sounds to me, to be honest, mate, that um, it's whoever got the man of the match performances, probably, because uh, no one who's watching that match. In fairness to Jacob, he was good, but I don't think anyone's choosing Jacob over Mario personally. But okay. Yeah, I think because um, obviously it's funny because obviously they it's like sponsors man of the match as well, aren't they? So it's interesting. I say our uh, uh, maybe had more competition in the midfield than we did up front at the weekend. Um, yeah, maybe there were some other some other top midfield performances that we weren't uh, that we didn't see. <laughs> Fair enough. And did you? I think there was. We, we I'm pretty sure we ran a poll um, as well, uh, man of the match poll, didn't we? For for that uh, that particular match, anyway. We did. So, uh, Mario actually came out on top of that with 51% of the votes. Nice. Uh, Jacob Brown got 34%. Uh, Josh Timer was our third name choice. He got 3% of the vote. And then the other was uh, Other, which got 12%. Now, we asked people if they put Other in to comment underneath so we could see who it was, uh, who they were, like who they were referring to. Uh, and if I break that down, Tommy Smith got 4%, uh, Ben Wilmot got 3%, but then that leaves um, that leaves a few percent there that's unknown where people haven't commented. So if people do, uh, if you do click on them, please do comment underneath um, because we're going to be keeping track of these over the course of the season as well. And it's going to lead towards our sort of official player of the season at the end of the year. Um, so the more the more uh, votes we can stick on a different player, the better. We'd love to give everyone a, everyone a click, but um, <laughs> Twitter only allows us four, four doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a pain, to be honest, but never mind anyway. Like I said, we, we've, we'd all agreed that was just a great start to the season, which is, which is brilliant. Um, so, yeah, absolutely great. Um, so I think well, that's probably it for Reading. I think we've covered that to death anyway. So, um, that, again, thank you for everyone who contributed with, with audio for that. We have obviously got a few more bits of audio as well uh, and around the Birmingham match.
So then transfer rumours um, since the uh, since the last match, mate. So I think there's been a few uh, kind of transfer rumours flying around, but any of them particularly kind of come to mind? Or Yeah, well, we were, we were linked with Roman Sawyers last weekend. Um, and he actually got taken out of the West Brom squad for their championship opener on Friday night. So everybody thought, obviously, you know, West Brom have taken him out of the squad. That must mean a move is imminent. Uh, it appears to have gone quiet since then on him. I've not really seen many links since then. But, you know, obviously, I've not seen anybody else linked with him either. So hopefully, because, we, you know, a lot of these deals that Stoke have done pre-season have come out of the blue. So hopefully something's maybe has been leaked there and Stoke have kept the rest of keeping it quiet now until they can maybe announce him. Because I think, personally, I think he's a very good player for this division. Uh, he has been for a long time, whether that be with Brentford or West Brom. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think West Brom, from what I've seen, have got him playing a lot deeper. Maybe playing around where Joe Allen's playing at the minute, sitting in front of the defence and uh, sort of dictating the play from there because I think he's he, they've got him sort of like you know spraying the ball about but also he's, he's got that drive and he can drive forward from deep yeah um, yeah absolutely I was going to say he's also like uh, he doesn't you know he gets his foot in as well and gets stuck in so yeah he's probably a very valuable player to have in front of your defence so very much a Joe Allen replacement I mean whether he actually replaces him is another thing because I think obviously you know he's a is the captain, so it's going to take some balls to drop him. But um, either way, I suppose is a minimum uh, is another option for us, I guess. Yeah, and I think uh, sort of how we were speaking earlier on about the strikers and then having you know people who are close at levels. You know, for Joe Allen to know that he's got Roman Sawyer's competition for that place, or at least you know there's four or five players fighting for three spots. It's going to push performances on, and I think that's sort of what we've struggled at. You know, maybe we've struggled in the last couple of years with that. There's been too many players who, even if they are, maybe think that they deserve to be in the team no matter what. Whereas now, like I say hopefully we've got a bit more competition in there. And like I say Sawyer's, he'd definitely be one I'd be looking. If, if we can do the deal and it's a good deal for the club, then I'd you know I'd be quite happy to see him uh, pulling on a red and white shirt. Brilliant. Yeah, and if the fact he plays for West Brom, we won't hold that against him, obviously. But no, uh, as you <laughs> said, his ways. it's one area because I think if you don't bring someone in to kind of cause competition for Joe Allen, you've then got to think about moving your defence around because obviously Wilmot can play in defensive midfield, but that obviously then means dropping him out of a probably a settled defence at that point. And I'm sure as much as Danny Bart can, you know, can be a solid defender, and he, you know, normally he is. Um, it's just you don't really want to rock the boat in defence, do you? Because um, it has an impact on the goalkeeper and everything else. So, um, yeah, great, great shout from um, from Sawyer's, and uh, I guess the other one that we to be fair, I think I got kind of wind of this, which is what frustrates me a little bit. Uh, I was literally about to put it out on Twitter about a kind of a rumour for a certain young defender um, and literally within an hour or two of it happening, uh, it actually hit the, the social media and I think you know who I'm, who I'm talking about. Is it with Leo Ostergaard by any chance? That's the one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think he uh, obviously signed, like I said, I know, I know you sort of dropped that in, didn't you, that, that um he was coming then the central run with the story um, just after. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, we, we've not seen much of him. I know that, you know, he played, he played a couple of times when he played for Coventry last year. Um, and I know a few people have commented on those performances saying what a rock he was. But we, you know, be, being every step along the way, what we like to do, we like to get, 
you know, opposition's views on stuff. And so, you know, we got in touch with a commentary fan, Dave, from What The Crap Podcast, and uh, this is what he had after watching him all of our season. I'm David Collins, host of What's The Crack Podcast here in Coventry, and I'll be talking about Leo Ostergaard. When we signed him last year, didn't really know too much about him. On loan from Brighton, played for Norway from the under-16s to the under-21s, and he'd been at St Pauli. Um, when we seen he'd been at St Pauli, quite excited about the signing. Made his debut first game this season at Bristol City away. Lost 2-1, but he looked quite sharp. The, the worry with any young centre-back coming in, and I'm guessing you guys will have the worry yourself, is is he old enough, is he experienced enough? Will there be a few mistakes in him? And I thought that myself when he come in. Don't worry about that at all, lads. He's absolutely unbelievable. Um, he played 39 games for us. Pretty much solid in every game. I can't think of... I think there was maybe one mistake. Maybe Cardiff away. Um, but all in all, unbelievable, mate. Uh, he scored two goals. He should have had about 12 goals. I think he hit, he hit the bar about 150 times from corners and set pieces. Um, two goals he scored were massively important. He scored against Bristol City at home in a 3-1 win in early April. And then the biggest goal we scored, relegation battle, Rotherham away on a Thursday night. And he pops up late on from a set piece, which pretty much secured our safety. He went back with two games to go with a thigh injury, um, back to Brighton. And ever since he's gone back, it's all we've spoken about. Can we have Leo back? Do you think we're getting back? What wages does he want? At Coventry, we we run quite a tight budget. We don't want to go over anything. And I'm all for that, really, because you've seen that many teams get in trouble over the years. I went against everything I believe and said, give him a blank cheque, give him whatever he wants, and just get him here at all costs. He's that good. Great signing for you, lads, at Stoke. And I wish him all the best, apart from when you're close, to be completely honest. In terms of how he plays, he just he, he can play with his feet, but he'll win everything in the air all day and he'll get rid of it and that's what you want. I can't speak highly enough of him. I think he's absolutely class and absolutely gutted that he's not coming back here. But I'll be clapping him at the Britannia next season and, and at the Rico. And I know I've got both the stadium names wrong now, but I refuse to call it whatever our new ground's called in the Back365 Stadium. Good luck for the season, lads. Cheers for that, Dave. Um... What can we say? He, he sounds sounds like he'll be missed, you know, in, in the Coventry share this year. But their loss is our gain. I mean, he had a great debut again last night. Um, you know, rave reviews off our fans. He's had rave reviews from there. Brighton have just signed him to a new long term deal. They wouldn't let him out until he'd signed that. So it all sounds promising. And I think if you've got if we've got him, Ben Wal- uh, Ben Wilmot and Harry Suter centre out. That's a tough-looking trio as well. <laughs> Nobody's yeah. going to be messing with them three, are they? I mean, that is just... Just the thought of that is... I mean, it, it, it's scary. For any any attacker and any kind of opposing team, they're going to look at that and not fancy that. I mean, as you say, you're talking about Ostergaard and, and obviously how, how he performs. And I think, obviously, again, Dave mentions about him scoring... He should have scored, you know, 20-odd goals. And he seems to, as you said, be a bit of a god down at Coventry and I know none of them I didn't see any comments from anyone saying he was a uh, it was a bad sign and if anything they wish they could have had him back so I think that's obviously a positive and when was the last time we had a defence who actually scored plenty of goals I mean Shawcross Hooth I mean can you think of any more recently I might be admitting here but I, I mean talking regular 
um, regular goal scorer, isn't it, from defence? I can't think of anybody. No, I think I think you're going back to the. I think you're going back to like 2008, aren't you, with Leon Court and, and Ryan Shawcross, who you know got nine or ten goals each that year. Yeah. Um, I think that yeah, because I mean, Huth was good for three or four, but if we yeah if we can get the delivery coming in good, then you know I think Ostergaard, Suter, I think they'll be helping themselves to quite a few this season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the interesting thing, I know we've got a bit of time left in the transfer window. I mean, Ostergaard was one of the two people that I was told about that we were looking at from from Premier League um, teams. Uh, kind of in terms of names, I can't give the name of the second one, but I know right wing back is definitely the position that they're on about and obviously looking at, which is not going to come to a shock to absolutely anybody, uh, to be quite frank. And um, it's the same person who told me about Leo. So I'm hoping it's going to be uh, a positive and it's definitely going to be right. So we'll, we'll keep that under wraps because it's not, it's no one's place to, to say anything. But um, if it comes off, then fingers crossed, it's the same type of ill, you know, same kind of age range. Uh, loan deals uh, is the only deal we're probably going to do by the sounds of it. Now, I think O'Neill come out and said there's no real money to spend on transfer dealings. So it is what it is. Uh, I think it'll probably end up going close to the deadline um, at this particular point. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that have to drop for it to go through. So fingers crossed um, we can kind of uh, well, hopefully get the business done because I think we'd all agree Tommy Smith is, gonna, is not going to play 46 to 50-odd games if we include the cup. So we need cover, don't we, Dan? Yeah, because, I mean, if, the thing with wing-backs as well is it's such an energetic position, isn't it? Yeah. You, you, you're up, down, up, down constantly. You're basically doing two positions work. You were a winger and a, and a fullback. Um, and I think to ask somebody to, like say, do that again and again and again, especially in a championship where it's Saturday, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, you, you, there's no let-up. And I think, you, you know, it would be unfair to ask somebody to play that position that many times and expect them to play to a high enough standard where you want to be challenging and pushing you know the, the top six in this league yeah absolutely it's not going to happen so again I think regardless we'll end up getting a right wing back whether it's the one that they want or whether it's a someone off the B list um, either way we, we need cover so um, we'll take I don't think Tom, uh, Tom Ince is the answer I don't think he's ever been the answer to be honest he's He's had his chance. He's messed his chance up more than enough times. Um, if if we have to go with him for whatever reason, then we'll go with him. But I don't think anyone would be happy with that. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll just assume that he doesn't exist for the time being. I think. Um, and kind of obviously looking ahead to to kind of Birmingham. I mean, I, I did obviously the research. I mean, one thing I'd probably say to anyone listening, really, uh, we do a hell of a lot of research before uh, these podcasts, and I spent hours doing these things. And I, I actually had to get Dan to um, to check this for me because I couldn't believe the stats behind it. Now we last beat Birmingham in July 2020, so not very long ago. We beat them two 0 at the Bet365. But kind of from our last t- uh, 10 league meetings, we've beaten them twice, we've drew twice, and we've lost five times. So the numbers aren't on our side from that point. And as much as you think, oh, is that all? It's not bad. Well, listen to this one. So we haven't beaten them away in the league since... Now, I know the, actually, I'm not going to ask you about this, Dan, because you know the answer to this. But we haven't beaten them away in the league since 1988. I had to double-check and triple-check and that is accurate, I believe. I know we did play them in the cup, but in the league, I think there's been about I think it's been about fifteen meetings in the league since that point, and we've not beaten them away. So um my prediction for the weekend, which we'll come on to, changed very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um 
yeah, uh, it's not looking very good, to be honest with you, uh, from that perspective. Um, any particular observations about that uh, kind of history, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I thought to myself, it's not a place I enjoy visiting and not a game I look forward to, and now I know why. Because <laughs> I've never yeah. been able to associate it with a win. I mean, the last time we won there, I was one. So, <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, that that result that win would would have passed me by. I can assure you of that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, um, I'm just hoping somewhere along the line that we've completely got this wrong. The three different stats websites said this. That's how much effort I put into trying trying to prove myself wrong. So if if, if I'm wrong, they're all wrong. So um, we'll, we'll we'll take that. And I mean, it'd be interesting as well. So ticket prices, as we all know, has been absolutely huge just recently. Birmingham taking all the flack and rightly so for thirty five pound tickets. I think they've even been charging some of their home fans forty quid. Um, a ticket as well, which is just, just incredible. Um, I don't know, I don't know what world we're living in right now, but I think anyone who pays, I understand there's loyalty in football. We all want to go, you know, we, you know, we want to, we want to support the the teams. But at what point, Dan, does this come to a head? Because every season it rears its head. Someone complaining about ticket prices for a couple of weeks, and it dies a death. Um, at what point do we just say, Luke, enough's enough? we need to take a stand because 35 quid plus travel plus food plus drink and that's for one person that's without taking your family with you so what's the answer dan because i i know the 20 is plenty campaign i think that's brilliant but realistically what can we do in the immediate other than voting with your feet well the thing is it's not just 35 pound for an adult i think it's 25 pound for a child or a concession it's disgusting (laughs) it's absolutely disgusting the, right, the game needs fans, yeah? It needs fans in attendance. It needs an atmosphere. The atmosphere is what makes the game such an enjoyable experience, whether that be for the people there watching or the people watching on TV or whatever. They, The atmosphere is what makes it special. Now, you that comes from having home and away fans present. There is no, there's, the atmosphere is not anywhere near as good if there's just the home fans. There's no away fans there. There's no atmosphere. We know that because it's the banter. It's the back and forth that goes between the fans. It's the trying to outdo them. If, you, if people can't afford to go, there's a lot of people. Times are hard in this country for so many people at the minute. You know, people have also they found other things to do. They've had it. As we've said, they've had 18 months off from going to football. People have found other things to do on the Saturday. Things have opened up before football's opened up. So people have got other hobbies now. They've also spent a lot more time with the families. You're going to have to pull that, you know, how many families can afford to go as a family to this match? Not many, not many, not, not, you know, coming from this city anyway. To be fair though, Dan, for me, it's not just about... um, the, the cost of if, if you know actually i'll wind that back it's not even about um affordability i could afford to take me and my son there that's not a problem and i'm sure a lot of us could but for me it comes down to principle i mean i think i remember when we beat uh bowling at semi-final in, in wembley i swear that was only 40 odd quid a ticket i swear yeah. it was um so how does that compare to going to watch birmingham city and no disrespect to them you know i mean stoke under 25 quid it's still it's much better, but it's still 25 quid. So I just think it's principle. I won't pay it out of pure principle. That That's all it comes down to for me. And like you said, 
you take your son along with you or your daughter or whatever it may be, all of a sudden it's a 60 quid game before any travel, any food, any drink. It's got to stop. And I, I genuinely don't, I don't know, I don't know what's going to make it change. Um, maybe the Football Association or whatever has to come in and, and put a limit on it. Maybe that's the answer. I, I, I don't know. Or EFL. I, I don't know. But it, the, I don't the think the club's not going to make a decision. No, the, the Premier League brought in 20 as plenty, didn't they? They they had to bring that in because if they hadn't, the clubs wouldn't have done anything about it. No. But they didn't. There wasn't 20, it was 30, wasn't it, in the Premier League? Mm. So, you know, the the the, the, the fans' uh, forums that are pushing for 20 as plenty, the EFL should take the stance and put that in. Because with all the other costs of going to the game and travelling and everything else, 20 is plenty. So do that. Reduce the price. Get bums on seats. Create a better atmosphere. And you know what? If you create that better atmosphere, you'll get more people coming back the week after from the home sections. So clubs will actually put more bums on seats and they'll happen again and again and again. And attendances will go up because there's a better atmosphere and that'll what that's what will bring people back. Yeah, more 100%. so than the footballs on the pitch in front of them. Absolutely, mate. And I mean, I've, I've, obviously, I'm not. I think I've already told you this, and obviously, it won't be maybe news to many people. But I've applied to be on the Stoke City Supporters Council um, the other week, and uh, I know voting's open for another, I think, eight, eight or nine days. And and one of the initiatives that I put down there is what I would like to discuss with the club is around and you know the, the entertainment for the kids and stuff like that and but importantly i remember younger having i think it was a kid for a quid scheme you bring you know a full paid yeah. adult or whatever it is and you could bring your child in for a quid um i mean i think that's a great initiative and i know the immediate from maybe the club i don't know i, I, I can't speak for them because they don't obviously know about it yet but for me yeah it's a quid it's, you practically gain someone in for free but the way i look at it is that son or daughter might want to get a pie or a drink or go to the Stoke shop after the after the match for me the value will still be there going into the club it's likely to still get the, the funds so I think schemes like that need to start making a reappearance and I know there'll be a reason why we may have not done it beforehand so it's absolutely not a, a dig at the club in any way shape or form there'll be a reason for it but I just at least like to get the opportunity to to make suggestions like that um, and fingers crossed we can we can try and ease it and um, it's quite quite a passionate um, overview from us there on ticket prices but I think it needed to be said yeah I mean I think um, cre credit to the club with one thing I know where I, I sit in the family stand and that new corner that was filled in it was empty uh, at the weekend and I believe that's due to the fact that that is where all the free they, they give those tickets away to local schools and clubs yeah. every game and obviously with what's happened with Kevin that they haven't been able to do that um, for this game so I think maybe there hasn't been any kids for a quid promotions maybe they've been doing that instead where they've been putting them in that corner um, yeah potentially I just think if, if you can get an, an adult coming in you've got adults you know kind of match day income as yeah, well on top of exactly. that so the schemes that are going to help, absolutely. But you know, it's something we'll we'll hopefully look at. And um, yeah, if please please anyone, if you wouldn't mind voting for Michael Stockley on the uh, Stoke City website for that, I would really appreciate it. So I'll give myself a little plug um, down down there. Why not? I put the effort in this week, so <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, and actually, before the uh, the call, by the way, a completely different subject in, in a way. Do you remember the name Sam Cosgrove? Do you remember? It was linked yes. to Stoke uh, a couple of seasons ago. 
Yes, yes. Yeah, so we chased him extensively for Aberdeen, didn't we? And I can't remember what we were trying to offer him, uh, offer Aberdeen for him at the time. Um, but yeah, he he went to Shrewsbury. Oh, so he's gone to Shrewsbury on loan from Birmingham. Um, I'm not sure quite what's happened, whether he's just not cut the mustard in the championship, but he scored like 31 and 70 for Aberdeen, and he's played 12 for Birmingham and scored absolutely none. So I don't know if we kind of call that a, a bully dodge. And I'll be honest with you, Dan, I forgot I'd even gone to Birmingham. Um, no one, no one's mentioned him. So I thought that was quite interesting. He had a great record in Scotland, but goes to show the difference between Scottish football and English football, I suppose. It's just interesting. Is that, would you kind of say that's a, a bullet dodged or maybe just hasn't had the opportunity at Birmingham? I'm not quite sure, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird, isn't it? Because you do see some players coming down from Scotland who, who can make an impact um, in, in English football. I suppose it maybe depends on, on you know, what attributes they have got. Maybe some are more suited to the English game than than others. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's very interesting, that is. Like I say, take out Rangers and Celtic and what is the actual level up, up, up in Scotland. Well, probably League Two standard by the sounds of it. <laughs> um, it's probably a bit harsh. I'm sorry to anyone. Obviously, we know we do have people listening in Scotland, so I apologise if you do have a B team or something like that. So, yeah, apologies. Rude, um, Rude. <laughs> um, and speaking of obviously Birmingham, before we kind of talk about team selections, etc., Dan. Um, so we uh, we had Tom from the Blues Focus podcast that got in touch with us as well. So he's given us his views on Birmingham, um, i.e., pre-season. Through opening win, which against Sheffield, which is uh, a very good result for them. Um, so let's have a listen what he thinks uh, about this coming weekend. Hi everyone, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be on every step along the way. Um, so I'm Tom from the Blues Focus podcast and other various Blues channels and whatnot. Um, so yeah, how our summer has gone so far. Um, I'd say we've had probably some of the best transfer business in the championship this summer. Um, overall, I'm very happy. I think we've strengthened in plenty of areas, um, especially with signings like Dion Sanderson, Ryan Woods, as you'll know very well. Um, he's been fantastic so far. Jordan Graham from Gillingham, Chucks and EK. Uh, but I suppose probably the marquee signing would be Tahith Chong. Uh, on loan from Man United, he was fantastic against Sheffield United in our uh, opening game of the season. Um, so thoughts on the first game? I'd say we did really, really well. Uh, we definitely overachieved. Not many people predicted us to win uh, at Bramall Lane, uh, but you know this just seems to be a classic Blues thing to do. You know, win one nil on the opening day against a promotion favourite. So, uh, yeah, I suppose it's sort of like the inevitability of beating Stoke at home as well. Um, I shouldn't have said that now because we'll go and lose. But, um, yeah, no, I, I'm very happy with the first game. Solid performance. We're really hard to beat and hopefully we can carry that into Saturday's game. Um, how will we play? If we play the um, three-five-two system that we played against Sheffield United, then we'll just be hard to beat. Um, with the occasional bit of flair up top, but mainly playing uh, through the wide areas of the pitch, looking to get crosses into the box to the main men, such as Dukey and Hogan. Um, that tends to be the way we go about things, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Bowie had a different trick up his sleeve, because uh, we rarely find ourselves without a plan B at the moment, and it's it makes a nice change. It's very refreshing. Um, so what should you fear from Blues... 
Um, probably the usual, and that's Juki. Uh, Juki likes a good header at home uh, against Stoke. So, you know, I, I'd probably say Djokovic just because just recently he's caused Stoke in particular problems. But uh, at the moment, the main man is definitely to Heath Chong. If you can isolate Chong, then um, I really think you could uh, cause us massive problems. And um, it definitely put you in a good place to go and win the game. Um, but that's if he plays, who knows. Um, so a score prediction to wrap things up. Uh, I'm going to be positive. Um, I think we'll be a lot more clinical than we were against Sheffield United because that was probably our big problem because we could have put that game to bed sooner. Um, and I want to be optimistic. Uh, it's a shame that the atmosphere won't be what it could be with Blues having two of their stands closed for the next two home games due to repairs. So the atmosphere won't be as good as it could be. Uh, however, I'm still going to back Blues for another 1-0 win. So that would be three consecutive 1-0 wins this season so far. One in the league and one in the cup. Um, I think that just seems to be the style of football we'll play. It wouldn't surprise me if the game finished 1-1 since Surridge is in such good form at the moment. Um, and a great piece of business for you lot. But um, no, I'm going to be positive and I'm going to say 1-0 Blues. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Best of luck for the rest of the season, except from Saturday, of course. <laughs> See ya. Thanks to Tom there from Blues Focus. Um, really appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, so looking ahead to Saturday's game, uh, I think you know there's, there's, there's a few places. The, the team, I think, it's, it's going to be settled in certain areas, but there's definitely questions and, and a few as well. I mean, Joe Bursic... Um, I don't know what you think about Michael, but I think you know, he had a bit of a ropey game at the weekend. I think we'll mm-hmm. forgive him, you know, is it the first time he's played in front of fans? Um, and I think you know, yeah, there's a lot of potential there. I, now he's been given the nod, I can see him being given a good run of games. I don't think Michael O'Neill's going to jump in and you know, jump on the back of that one, one you know, iffy display. Um, but I do think he, he maybe needs to improve this week. Uh, what about yourself? Yeah, I think there's a few good, you know, stops. He didn't have much to do, I think, overall. I think the problem with 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 Joe at the weekend was that his kicking let him down, and I think that was the one thing that people could really hit him over the head with um, from from Saturday. So I think overall it's a good shot stopper. We've seen that before, um, and like you said, maybe the fact that he hasn't really played in front of a decent crowd, um, especially Stoke crowd, then that's probably going to have a bearing on it, mate. So yeah, we'll we'll soon let him off. Absolutely, one game is not. Not a fair assumption to make, but uh, 100%. He needs to just just step up a little bit. Adam Davis is um, uh, is is ready to uh, you know kind of just jump in uh, whenever whenever he's not playing well. So yeah, he he needs to to just keep keep his game up. Yeah, definitely. And and uh, Mark, we've we you know since we've been saying this quite often, it's another area in the team that we've got good competition for, uh, which is promising. Um, another area is centre half. So. Do you think we'll see Harry Suter coming in for Danny Bart after his uh, captain's display in midweek? Oh, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, it, it, he probably should. But again, I always like to think about well, what has the previous player done that's going to really mean that he's going to lose his place. I think it's very, very harsh for, for Danny Bart to lose his place. But um, I don't know. I mean... I'm thinking about my team kind of going forward, really, and I think I've I'd probably have Ostergaard, Suter, and Wilmot in my in my back three if I had to really choose. 
Um, but again, it's another problem for O'Neill to to keep them happy. I'm not sure which way you think they'll go, but I would probably drop Bart for Suter, really. Do you know what I think might happen on Saturday? Right, we know, obviously, Tommy Smith is sort of nailed on for right wing back into the minute for the foreseeable future. Now, Josh Tymon, he, he can't play at the weekend and he can't play against Swansea because he had the, you know, due to the uh, concussion protocols that are in place, he has to have so many days rest. So he so that frees up a left wing back spot. Now, Alfie Doughty really would be the one to come in. But he played on Tuesday night and we've got a game against Swansea next Tuesday. Now, he's been out for such a long time. Are they going to risk him and his hamstrings playing three games in seven days in such a a position that requires so much energy and up and down? I'm wondering whether we'll see Morgan Fox at left wing back on Saturday, and that might allow Danny Bart to just move on to the left side of the defence, Harry Suter back in the middle, and, um, and then we've got, obviously, we've got Ben Wilmot, who will probably come back in on the right hand right side of that defence. Um, obviously, we've got Leo as well. He might even come in. Um, but yeah, great competition. But I I think that's the way I can see it going Saturday. I think we'll have Fox on the left, left wing back, Smith on the right wing back, and I think we'll see Bart Suter and um, Ben Wilmot as the three centre halves. Yeah, definitely. So I think Tom said on that kind of audio then that they play a see they play a three five two as well. Um, and I think one thing for me is that that are we going to go three five two versus three five two? Is that what we're going to do? I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I can almost see him maybe even considering a a four four two and a deeper four four two, and then it would make sense because Fox is probably better as just a full on left back. So, I mean. He's got options again. Good, got options. Um, but it'd be interesting to see whether it's just a battle of wits and battle of quality uh, against two teams playing the same formation. Uh, certainly, be interesting <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> I, mean, I personally yeah. can see four four two. Bring Wilmot into central defensive midfield alongside Allen, and then Suter goes alongside Bath or Ostergaard um, potentially. But again, there's so many different combinations that we could go with here. Uh, all guesswork, but you're probably right. I'll probably stick with three five two. Yeah, the only worry I suppose you could have is, like I say, if you've got two three five twos, is that how much space is somebody like a Nick Powell um, and Mario, how much space are they going to get? Because that's a very congested middle third of the pitch there if you've got so many you know, central midfielders and everything in there. And obviously each team, you've got your three centre halves who can step out if you, if you go venture forward as well. Um, yeah, so we might, like I say, we may... We may May try and just change the formation up a bit. I mean, five through two seems to be drilled into them right through pre-season. It's what we've been playing. We're buying players to suit the formations, the, the formation as well. I think he will carry on with it. Um, I think he does like it. I can see it's better. We've got I mean, we've got two men up front, which is something we you know that, that we um, Stoke fans do like to see having two strikers on, don't we? Um, yeah. We've got the extra man in midfield. And you've got numbers in defence. So it does seem to tick a lot of boxes. Um, but like I say, whether, when they go up against each other, whether it just sort of nullifies each other too much, it might not be the greatest spectacle. Um, Where though the Mario's free kicks and Mario corner is the difference? Is he willing to just accept that and and just pick off those particular situations? I mean, 
that that's another thought if, if he sticks to that. And and who do you play up front, Dan? Because you can't really drop Jacob Brown at the minute. And I mean, Surridge, he played, was it 90 minutes in the week? I think he played. Uh, well, he certainly played the majority of it anyway. Yeah, he came and, off at the end. But yeah, never... at the end, actually, yeah. But does that, I mean, could he start again? I mean, he's still had three or four days break since the match. So I don't know. Fletch is probably going to be feeling unfortunate to be dropped. But at the same time, do you drop a player who scored two and two? Probably not. So, again, an interesting decision. It feels like forever since we've had this matter of choice. Um, but an interesting decision for, for O'Neill to make, I think. I mean, let me tell you now. Sam Surridge, I'm sure he is walking on air at the minute. Whatever, whatever, like, however tired his legs may be, he will not be feeling a bit of that after two goals and two games for a new club. You know, the smile on his face, he says it all, both the weekend and, and on Tuesday night. Um, like you say, though, does he now get that league start? Has Similar to what you're saying with Danny Bart, what has Stephen Fletcher done wrong to not, to not deserve to play? I suppose the thing what we'll find out maybe in, maybe on Saturday, maybe Tuesday, you know, over the coming weeks even, is where does Michael O'Neill see long-term these strikers? Is it Fletcher or Surridge with Brown and then in the end Campbell? Or does he see Surridge and Fletcher as a partnership that's potentially there together? Because Stephen Fletcher does, you know... He, he does do similar work to Surridge, but he's 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 more involved in the build-up. Whereas Surridge, from what we can see, he does like to play. I mean, we had the um, the Bournemouth fan on last week, didn't we? Who said he likes to play on the last man, and he's more of a Defoe kind of character. And I saw a lot of that so far. He's looking to to get his shots off, and he's always in them right areas. And I don't think we've had a strike like that for a long, long time at Stoke. You know, a typical goal poacher. Um, and obviously, what as fans, I think we just maybe if he has a bit of a dry spell, he won't be contributing much to the team, will he? And I think that's where you've got to be patient because if we put the balls in the right box, he'll finish these chances. Yeah, and he, he I, will. Yeah, and I think if you're going to be... If you're going to play with full wing backs and you're going to have two attacking wing backs, you can put decent delivery in, and you've got two creative midfielders. I think he's got to start. For me, he's got to start, and Jacob Brown can, can start alongside him. For me, I'm a big admirer of Stephen Fletcher. I was, I was chuffed when we signed him last year. I think he, you know, he was never fully fit last year, but he did a good, you know, he did a good job when he was called upon. But I think, yeah, Sam Surridge is the man scoring goals. Jacob Brown's causing himself a nuisance, and he's also doing a lot of that, a lot of that running around, a lot of that work in the defence, which will create space for Surridge as well. And you know, I think that's what we'll start with. If we need options, he's a great. Stephen Fletcher's a fantastic option to be having coming off the bench <laughs> through twenty minutes to yeah. go. One hundred percent. Yeah, he he again in the air. He, we know we, we know he can head the ball. So. Um, it's, we've we've got so many options. It's brilliant. So uh, yeah, perfect. It's good. Uh, good look ahead to to Birmingham. And um, I know we've obviously we could, we should probably do our uh, our results predictions and and bits like that. So uh, yeah, I'll hand over to you because I know we've done a couple of polls and, and stuff like that, haven't we? Yeah, I mean the poll results um, that came in that we that we ran says that Stoke forty eight percent of uh, our followers here believe Stoke will win. 
at the weekend. So uh, I think that's a very positive outcome there. You know, maybe I don't know if they if they knew what we knew with stats wise, whether they'd be as positive. <laughs> but, um, yeah, probably not. But yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we, we won't complain about positivity. That's not. We a bad will thing. not. I'll always uh, yeah positivity over negativity anytime. Thirty-two uh, percent said a draw, and uh, just uh, one in five, twenty percent said a Birmingham win. Um, so if if those polls is to be correct and we are to win, I suppose you, you, you've got to be looking how are we going to win the game. Um, and my first instinct on that would be uh, Mark Yuchovic. I think I've just murdered his name there, but <laughs> um, he always seems to get a goal against us. Always a header as well. Um, so I think that was mainly why I was probably calling for uh, calling for Harry Suter back in just to sort of hover around him and every time you get get, his, get Harry Suter's big head on that every time the ball goes near him. Yeah. Uh, keep that away from him. I think we might have a clean sheet for once at St Andrews because um, he seems to be, like I say, the one who's uh, the main threat whenever we've been playing in the last couple of years. Uh, and how will, how will we? So now we've got the clean sheet sorted. How are we going to win the game? So I think you know, use a bit of width. Get say, tell I'd tell Surridge, stick six twelve yards out around the you know between the six yard box boundary spot. Stick between the posts, and you know we'll give you the service. If you get yourself in that area, we'll find you. And then all you, all he's got to do is uh, do what comes naturally to him, it seems, and and find the get the shot on target and hit the back of the net. I think that that is uh, my my way of winning. How would how do you see it going, Mike? I'd say that, that it's going to be tight. Uh, there's not going to be two nils anywhere. I don't think. Uh, I mean, Birmingham. I did watch them against Sheffield um, in in the week, and uh, to be fair, they don't look any, don't look to be any pushovers. Uh, so they look to have a uh, like something to be better than they were the last season anyway. Um, so. If we're going to win, personally, I'm going to revert back to our set pieces. I think we'll probably sneak it on a set piece. But at the same time, I don't think we'll win. I wish I could say that we that we would. But, you know, again, not just about Jukovic. We've got Hogan and Woods that are coming up against us again, which we might have forgotten about. Uh, Woods has been doing um, pretty decent. I kind of think um, of the Blues Focus podcast mentioned that they've been doing okay. Um, Hogan, again, I think last time he played us, I think he might have scored or the previous time to that, whatever it was. So it's just it's just one of them things. There's a lot of things against us, stats, ex-players, um, you know, everything. So I'm going to say a 1-1 draw, and I think it probably will be Suter who will equalise late on in the game for a 1-1 draw. I think they'll be taking us... Uh, probably they'll probably be leading into the into the game, but I, I'm with you. It, it, there's not going to be much in it. One one, and I'll take a point right now because it, it's a tricky place to go. The thought of beating them would be amazing start to the season uh, to bring it back to Swansea. But um, yeah, I, I'm going to say one one. It's well, you've nicked my prediction. I was going to say one <laughs> one as well. <laughs> I was. You, I, you I just copied it. off me now. You didn't have a clue. You just copied off me. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, as much as we'll try, I think Yuchovic will get himself free at some point and find the net. Um, I think he's sort of written in the stars for him. Um, that he, he loves playing against Stoke, so I think he, he'll always find a way. So he'll put them in front. And uh, yeah, I think I reckon Nick Powell, Nick Powell will get the equaliser for Stoke. Um, yeah, however it comes, like I say he's he's dangerous from set pieces himself. As we saw it last Saturday with his feet, but also with his head, 
And uh, yeah, you might he might be uh, from uh, might be from open play though. I think he he might just uh, link up with the strikers and get himself a few yards and just get a shot away. Time will tell. <laughs> it will. <laughs> so, um, what we're going to move on to now is a section that we uh, we we hope we were hoping to sort of introduce last week. Uh, but with the uh, problems that we had, we never got around to it. But I actually asked Mike to pick a quiz uh, subject. I said, I'll go in. I'll think of 10 questions for him. And obviously, as he, as he stated last week, his, his uh, favourite player, Stoke player, is Peter Crouch. So he chose Peter Crouch as his subject. So mastermind style. I've got 10 questions for him here. Oh, God. Let me just do a bit of a disclaimer here. Um for anyone who hasn't listened to the one last week, uh, Crouchy is my favourite player. I, mean, I, I was going to go with someone far back, well, further back, like Peter Thorne or someone like that, even Sergei Stanyuk maybe. I, I love Sergei. He was far too good for Stoke at the time. Um, yeah. But to be honest, my memory is even more vague back then. So I thought, at least with Crouchy, I've got half a chance at getting one right. And if I get one, <laughs> one answer correct, that'll do for me. Uh, and this is just where I make myself look an absolute idiot now. So go on, crack on, Dan. Embarrass me. On the subject of Sergei Stanjuk, um, do you get a bit of Sergei with Leo Ostergaard? There's, a, there's that, that's that sort of don't mess with me vibe. I think whereas Sergei was a bit of a cult hero, I think yes. he, yeah, you've got the same sort of uh, potential there, aren't we? Definitely. We have, and I mean Sergei and, and Handyside were brilliant together. I mean, Sergei could have been so much better than he even was, and he was good. So uh, it's a shame. But anyway, I'm just trying to delay the inevitable. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so are you ready? Go on then. Question number one. Nice, easy one. <laughs> so signed Peter Crouch on deadline day, 31st of August, but which year? Oh, you say that's pretty easy. Um... <laughs> oh, God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be well off here. Um, I've got 2013 in me, but I could be a bit off. Is that your final answer? Would you like a clue? No, go on. I'll go 2013. I'm gonna be way off here. 2011. Oh. I would have said. I should have known because of Wembley. Yes. It would have, yeah. He yeah. brought in for ready for the Europa League charge. Yeah, I should have known that. Rookie. Okay, uh, go on. Carry on. So, question number two. What other striker signed for Stoke that day? Um, was he Odin Wingy? It was not. It was Cameron Jerome. Oh, not Jerome. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, so yeah, Odin Wingy came in under Hughes, didn't he, a few years later? Oh, of course he did, yeah. For uh, swap deal, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Go on, I'm, I'm actually I think, I, I think <laughs> on, that, on that deadline day, Odd and Wingy may have been down at QPR. You never know. <laughs> might have been that Pro- one. Probably was, yeah. <laughs> um, right, so question number three. He made his Stoke debut against Liverpool, but who did he score his first Stoke goal against? Oh, bloody hell, mate. It's a big team as well. It's a big club to score against. Um, it was the following home game after Liverpool. Couldn't have been Man City. 
Oh, so close, Man United. Uh, United. I, I, I couldn't. I was trying to think. It was either it was either United or City. But oh, go on. Yeah, in front yeah, of the first answer. It's fine. <laughs> right. I'm going to give you a bit of leeway on this one. I'm going to give you ten either side. Okay. He made 721 career appearances. Right. You know what questions coming here, don't you? <laughs> yeah. So he's he's 43rd in the list of Stoke appearance makers ever. But how many games did he play? Maybe 10 either side. How many games did he play for Stoke? Bloody hell. Um, so 721 in his career. Yeah, so he's, he's a good chunk. He was with us longer than pretty much anybody in the end. And he's 43rd so, on our all-time list. That's not that one. I'm going to go... Two hundred. Not fifty. It's a good start. Two, two thirty. Two thirty. Oh, so close. Two hundred and sixty-one. Really? Two hundred and sixty-one. Yeah. Ah, bloody hell! It's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Um. God. Yeah. Did pretty well. Good. Good on Crouchy. What good lad. So, question number five. He has the club record for most substitute appearances. So how many of them 261 appearances were as a sub? More than any other Stoke player ever. Oh, 260. Blink, you neck. Um, oh, I don't know. Let's go with... I'll give you 75. five either side. 70. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Let, let's... Let, let's go 70. 98. Really? That many? Wow. Yeah. I think wow. a lot of them came towards the end in the last couple of years. I was going to say. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That it was sub once in the last like, three, four years, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, question number six. He was the first £10 million plus Stoke player, but who did he replace as the most expensive Stoke purchase? Who was the record signing before him? Um, a clue. He wasn't. He wasn't just that that he replaced him as. Wasn't just that as replacement. As in, not just not doesn't mean as a striker. Do you mean? Yeah. So he didn't just replace him as the most expensive player. He also replaced him in the side. <laughs> um. God. Mate, we shouldn't do this at midnight. We really shouldn't. <laughs> think, think who, so who was, who was, he signed for us just after the FA Cup final. Who was playing up front that day? Oh, uh, I mean, Kenwin Jones was, Kenwin was up Jones. front. Was, it, was yeah. it really Kenwin? Yeah, £8 million. Pound. I mean, I was, I was going to say Kenwin, but I thought, no, surely not. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah Kenwin. I've got was, one. I'm having record that. signing for a couple of years before Crouch came in. Bloody hell, I didn't think we spent that much on Cameron, but fair enough, okay. So, he also, Crouch also holds the record for most Premier League goals scored for Stoke. Uh, he just nicked it off Johnny Walters um, just before we got relegated. Yes. How many goals did he score in the Premier League for Stoke? Um, it was in the 40s, because I think Johnny was... I swear it was 44, 45 Walters had. So... I, I, I'm going to say he's just dicked it. So 46. 
I'll give you that one. It was 45. Walters did it. Walters had 43. <laughs> oh, I got two. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, who did Crouch, Peter Crouch score his 100th Premier League goal against? Oh, God, it was the robot he did at the end. Um, Cross came in from the wing. He slid in and put it in. Oh, my word. Who is it? It wasn't anyone. It wasn't anybody big, was it? It was quite a mediocre team. Was it someone Oof. like? Oh, that could be controversial. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, I've, I, I, I want to think. I want to think about this for a sec. I think it was somebody like a Fulham. Big bigger. Bigger than Fulham. That doesn't take too difficult, does it? Um, <laughs> uh, the second biggest club in their city, I'd say. I think that's pretty fair to say. But they're oh. definitely bigger than Fulham. Um, God, I, I, I'm, re- I'm really not sure who Everton. it's going to be. Everton, was it really? Yeah. As uh, yeah. I said, not a big club. Oh, oh, wait till the Everton fans it, we'll, we'll click that for social media. <laughs> no, oh my god, I shouldn't have chose Buddy Crouch, mate. It shows I know absolutely naff all about him by the sounds of it. So. <laughs> right, can you remember when he had his teeth knocked out? Yes, I do, yeah. Who, who did that? What player did that? Yeah. Oh, Christ. Um. So, it would, it was, oh, yeah. It was Newcastle United. It was. Um, it was always oh, big dreadlock guy. Uh, Colacini. Colacini. The one correct. <laughs> <laughs> and the last question that's been interesting of hers: Who did Peter Crouch credit as convincing him to sign for Stoke? God, pretty much everyone at the time, from what I remember. <laughs> um, it would have been. Oh, it would have. Been Jonathan Woodgate. It was Jonathan Woodgate. Yes, correct. <laughs> I remember because he. I think Woodgate hadn't. I don't know. If, I think prior to that, but he played for Spurs, didn't he? And obviously, he come from Spurs. And I think he'd spoken to him. I don't know where Woodgate was at this point, but yeah, something. Uh, like Wood, Woodgate signed as well, didn't he, for that season? He he hadn't at that point. He hadn't been put out at right back against Matt Jarvis at Wolves. So whether, <laughs> whether he would have. Um, yeah, whether he would have said, yeah, it's a great place, come play here after that, I don't know. <laughs> he still maybe waked up in the cold sweats playing right back in his dreams. <laughs> wow, yeah, I'd say at least, um, at least, I don't know what that was, was it three, I think, or four? Three, three and a half, I'll give you that, three and, three and a half. half. I'll take that. <laughs> just don't, just, can of do you, can I have your uh, quiz next week instead of me doing it so I don't look like an absolute tool? It'd be great. <laughs> yeah, shall we alternate? Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. Now, we, now we've um, got this pod up and running. Uh, we're going to all alternate that week, week to week, and uh, we'll let you guys decide on what the subject is. So we'll we'll put four subjects up on Twitter, and you've got till the game kicks off at the weekend to choose which one uh, you'd like to hear me quizzed on next week. Um, so how about that? That's good, good me, mate. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Well, so um, I think that brings us to an end. Has you got any other business? Anything you'd like to add to add? 
No, nothing at all. But obviously, if anybody um, has stuck around to the end, thank you very much for listening to uh, Ramble. Hopefully, you've enjoyed it. Uh, as always, we're back every single week. So, um, fingers crossed, uh, you'll tune in next week and we'll, uh, we're looking ahead to, again, another three points. Yes, definitely. Hopefully, we uh, say bring the points back from St Andrews for the first time since Noah was on his arc. And um, <laughs> and yeah, as Matt said, thank you for listening. Um, we do appreciate it. It's really good. We do. Yeah, we love doing. We love doing this. But um, yeah, what anything we can add to the Stoke fans' day and you know getting you up and ready for the match. That's what we're aiming for. Do try and interact with us as much as you can. Follow us on Twitter. Um, share the pod with your friends and family. You know, just yeah. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.